everyone. Welcome to Horn of Africa Leftist Podcast. On this episode, we're really excited to pretty much give you commentary uh, analysis from the left, uh, especially in regards to the latest development in Tigray. As you know, the last episode was pretty much focused on giving a historical context. But, uh, you know, because of the, the latest development, the attention that the Western media is giving to Tigray, uh, you know, it's still something that people are still uh, researching and uh, trying to figure out and give an understanding from the left. So with me on this episode, I have Sebs. Sebs is an independent researcher and blogger. She's really great at researching and her uh, independent take on Eritrea, Ethiopia and the horn is, is much needed and somebody I respect and her approach. So I'm really happy to have Sebs on this podcast uh, to pretty much discuss uh, Tigray and what can the progressive or leftist uh, um, you know, audiences who are trying to understand give, uh, you know, give them an understanding, uh, commentary that is uh, rich and analysis that is pretty much uh, scientific. So thank you very much for joining uh, Sebs. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to speak my mind on this matter. Yes, yeah, so I mean on your Twitter, it's uh, it's it's pretty much a rich content, and a lot of people should follow you on Twitter because the the research you're giving out, the information is uh, it's not presented on the progressive and uh, leftist outlet. But we we can talk about that as a critical uh, take uh, in a few minutes. But before we start, uh, I guess we, we definitely have to give an um, insight into how do we get here? How does conflict in Tigray start? Uh, obviously the previous episode, there was a historical context, but in this episode, we're, uh, we have to definitely talk about the events that led to the, the war in Tigray and, uh, and, you know, the spark was 2018. The, uh, you know, the peace deal between Eritrea and Ethiopia, uh, Abby getting the, uh, Nobel Peace Prize. And, uh, we find ourselves in this situation. So, Sebs, how do you, how do we get here from 2018 to now? What is your take? What is your analysis? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, my gosh, so much, right? The, yeah. <laughs> so basically, I mean, so basically, it does seem like um, there has been some sort of uh, falling out with um, Ethiopia as a, essentially a client state of um, uh, the West in general, but not just the NATO and the the special interests um, in that faction of the world, right? Um, so I guess before that, um, just to like give like a little bit of a historical context, um, CTLF was the ruling party in Ethiopia from. 1991 until Abiy Ahmed took over in 2008. So uh, before taking power in 1991, TPLF, along with EPLF, which is the Eritrean People's Liberation Front, was involved in a 15-year struggle. I'm sorry, 30, and was involved in like a 30-year struggle um, for Eritrea and a um, 15-year struggle, I guess, for, um, for Tigray uh, fighting the Ethiopia's Derg regime. Um, so after acquiring power uh, in about 1991, the TPLF was uh, heavily criticized for different things, like repressing the Oromia people in Ethiopia, um, violence against the Somali people in Ogaden, and uh, Meles even was cooperating with um, Susan Rice, like late 90s or so, um, to get sanctions put on Eritrea. Um, so this, so this is off, obviously after, um, after the war, uh, ended in 1991. Uh, so, so anyway, so bringing it back to the context of, of, uh, Ethiopia, um, so essentially the TPLF were, 
I would say they were working hand in hand with um, the with the West and with the State Department and with NATO and and all all of these people uh, until about two thousand until two thousand eight when um, Abiy Ahmed took over. Um, I uh, personally, I I don't endorse uh, a lot of Ab- Abiy's uh, policies. They're a little neoliberal uh, for me. They, as far as um, he's he's just he's not a man of the people by any means, regardless of the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, I mean, <laughs> let, let's be honest. Like Obama also had a Nobel Peace Prize, and uh, how many drone strikes and uh, countries did he exactly. um, was he <laughs> was he involved in? You know. Uh, destroying that he, I mean, never really took responsibility for it. And I'm not saying it's just him, but I understand it's a, it's a whole machine behind it. But, uh, no peace prize means, uh, nothing. So, um, <laughs> that's just yeah, that's my view on that. Huh. Yeah. So beyond, beyond the, you know, I think, uh, initially when we saw Abby, the brand and the image that was pretty much uh, projected by Western media, the economist, mm-hmm. uh, was just, uh, the next, uh, Paul Kajami or somebody that is a Western darling, uh, yes. is of the empire. Yes. The Nobel Peace Prize, uh, is pretty much, uh, I, you know, like you mentioned, it's, uh, you got Obama who has it. It doesn't <laughs> really mean anything. At the end it means of the nothing. Day. It's like, I, uh, to be honest with you, participation trophy. Participation, exactly. it's like a, it's kind of like a complacency. Like, oh, you've been a good boy, you know. Yeah. Like, thank you for being compliant with uh, I, what the oligarchs uh, want. <laughs> I think that was the turn. I think there was yeah. a turn. Um, you know, Abby, uh, his uh, ideological line. You know, as I mentioned, he's a neoliberal. It is. Uh, and the formation of the prosperity the privatizing. Party. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think, uh, the the telecom that he just sold. What? Sorry to cut you off. But yeah, he, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, he just sold the. He just privatized the telecom, right? Or Ethiopia yeah. was one of the last countries that didn't have, uh, yeah. So he just completely liberal liberalized that. Um, so he's, it's it's he's not really he's not some like uh, champion of the people that uh, <laughs> that they try to make him out to be. But um, but he also has to be seen in the context of the West as well. Like, exactly. Yes. I think that was the, that, that's something that is that is something that's like missing from the conversation in regards to uh, giving perspective from the left that portrayed Avi as some type of uh, revolutionary or anti-imperialist. That's not the case. The problem no, is, no way. yeah, you can oppose intervention in Ethiopia without like sanitizing, whitewashing Avi. Avi. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I think you were still continuing on the. Uh, you know, I still want to hear your uh, take on what happened at, from you know in the beginning abby was viewed as the Nobel peace prize winning uh peacemaker yeah. to now so I, I you know i'll let you continue because i interrupted you go ahead no sorry. no it's okay you didn't interrupt at all um i i was just saying yeah it's um he his, his policies um are very aligned with the with whatever their with their with their agenda as far as like uh opening the markets deregulating things making it easier for foreign investors blah 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 um and it was just kind of a continuation, but under the guise of it being a little bit different. Um, I think things started to shift as um, it got closer and closer to, I guess, what was happening um, in with the with the the Grand Renaissance uh, Dam, the GERD, um, as far as how Egypt feels about it and how they've kind of co-opted Sudan um, and they kind of want the Arab League to. Uh, deal with the situation, but that makes no sense. Why would the Arab League tell Ethiopia, you know what I mean, um, what to do? It makes it, it doesn't make any sense. But Egypt is also uh, a, a client state. So I think mm-hmm. there was a, this is this is the thing though. I think that all of this would have actually happened regardless of who was in power 
because it was getting close to that point where that the dam was being um, was was being built. Um, not not just that, but I just I feel like the a lot of the foreign policy and all the things that happen, like they if it would have been this way anyway, even if it was the TPLF and they were trying to do that. So maybe it was kind of um, I don't know. I just I I don't really even see him that different from them. Um, I mean I mean I do, but I don't. Does that make any sense? I, I get what you're saying. I yeah. think. Um... The, he, it's almost he, like they he, wanted him elected so that you know they could have uh, someone to blame, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just being conspiratorial. I was, um, I was just shooting from the hip. But go ahead. <laughs> I, I get it. I think the yeah. the the you know before 2018, the uh, TPLF. Uh, you know, there's this uh, image branding that certain elements within TPLF try to project TPLF as. A, you know, as somebody that was against neoliberalism, against empire, against, uh, they try to pretty much present a radical idea or, oh, uh, TPLF? yeah. No. Yeah. It's Which so sad because it's like they were a complete client state. Like, look at the, they, they had troops everywhere in Somalia. <laughs> like, if you even look up like special operations and stuff, like there was, there's like special operations, uh, that, you know, they have like troops trained by like Navy SEALs and like Green Beret and stuff. Uh, that Ethiopia, like, happily, uh, you know, cooperated with, with NATO, with the United States, with England, whatever, um, all these people. And, uh, they were, like, fight under the guise of fighting Al-Shabaab or, you know, and it's, it, it was a complete client state. It was, it was just, it was just like, um, like, uh, Uganda is right now, you know, or it, Kenya. Exactly. Or Nigeria, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, there's nothing. <laughs> there was, exactly. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's something that people who are, you know, listeners of the audience who, 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 you know, who view themselves as leftists to examine the TPLF 28 years in power in Narisava. What was their relationship with Washington? What was their relationship with the West? What was their relationship with AFRICOM to get a better understanding of why the elements of Washington right now are trying to preserve it, pr- protect it in the conflict that is ongoing. So, yeah. so, we're, so we're trying to present a critical idea that hey abby has his dirt as well this guy despite the washington aggression against ethiopia and interference and against his sovereignty internal affair abby was making dirt and that's mm-hmm. the context that's missing uh you know especially from the pfj side uh, especially from uh, elements like simon testify all these people resi fisher who reject abby as some type of anti-imperialist <laughs> when he's not He's not. If you're suppressing Somalis and like, if you're a nationalist, cool. But if you don't have any like internationalism or like humanism, like compassion for like your compassion can't stop at your borders. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. Exactly. It doesn't work that way. And and okay, uh, let's just rewind to the development. I think it's a good idea to get an idea. Okay. Before 2018, you know, TPL was feeling the pressure of the automobile protest. Yes. 2014, 2015. And that was a huge historic moment for the Automos. And here's why. This is something that was bottom up. The student, uh, and the poor farmers were tired of the TPLF, the master plan in mm-hmm. Adisaba, taking their land. And the student heroically stood up with the farmers. This is bottom up. This is not something that's touched by the diaspora. This is not something that's touched by the urban elements who want power. This is something that was student-led, bottom-up. And it was very scary for Washington. It was scary for TPLF. They were not able to counter this. And this is the reason why, uh, with the developments before 2018, why TPLF had to uh, leave Addis Ababa and pretty much uh, uh, retreat to Mekele 
And I, I think uh, the narrative that we're hearing is that it fell from, or it was overthrown, it fell from power. No, I think the... No, I think it, they wanted to leave. I think that they didn't want, they didn't want to be the ones that were like enforcing this on their people. They didn't want that rep. You know what I mean? Like, I, they wanted I, to retain they, that like fake foe. Yeah. Exactly. And then I think uh, we c- must keep in mind the power struggle uh, people think, oh, uh, TPLF just peacefully left uh, Addis Ababa and gave up power. No, I think the power struggle was still ongoing. People just didn't understand the dynamic of what was happening. Yeah. Uh, he arrested certain uh, officials that were former member high level officials and he put a wanted list on the former intelligence of TPLF. They all ran away. Everything was coming down and there was a struggle happening that people were just like dismissing it. But yeah. from the beginning, they were being hunted by... And then these are the same people that are still upset now, right? So it's mm-hmm. like just to kind of dismiss their their qualms or their uh, their their struggle or their like their 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 experiences is uh, pretty messed up, you know? Because it's like it, it just they they've been doing that even while TPLF was in power and now when Abby's in power, these people have already have been upset consistently and rightfully so. So it's not to say that like a lot of these grievances aren't there. But it's also, but the grievances have always been there. Why is it now time to highlight it? And human rights abuses have always been there. And they documented it themselves. They've documented it themselves in, like, back in 2009, 2008. Like, it's, it, why, why, why is it now, though, all of a sudden, that this is such an emergency? And, and it's not to discount any real gen- genocide or any, you know, real uh, atrocities, horrors that are going on. Like, you, I, I would never discount that. I won't, I won't discount anyone's humanity. Like, exactly. I, I yeah, ever, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm like, uh, time, yeah. yeah. Sober analysis. Like just, you gotta be, you have to have, you have to calm, not, not calm down, but just like breathe a little bit and you're like, okay, like what's, what's going on? Like, let's, let's follow this because this is kind of fishy, you know? Cause I remember Syria when that was happening or when Libya was happening where it was kind of just kind of came out from, uh, under everyone, but unless you were paying attention, obviously, but it was, and it was kind of like the voices that were either a state department or the voices that were super pro Assad or something that were being like amplified. And it's like, it's like this false dichotomy of like, they're, you know, just the, the the truth is somewhere in the middle, but everyone's just too busy uh, attacking uh, those two chosen sides um, who are both wrong, you know? Um, just with in general, like no one's, no one's perfect. You can't just be uncritically, you know, <laughs> in support of, of anyone. That's, that's a little silly. Um, but in the same time, you're not going to be like, Oh, well, no. Yeah. Like just intervention. That's just what they need. You just need democracy. Exactly. I think the, the point that you brought about Syria and Libya, I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, 2014, 2015, well, even Iraq, like, you know, Iraq. Just, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then for example, if we go back to, to Syria, and, you know, there was heavy, 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 heavy emotional heavy. propaganda to the point where a lot of leftist or progressive lost their position of what is anti-imperialism <laughs> is your foundation and your analysis is totally destroyed or it pretty much goes away because you are stuck by the emotion was presented on CNN. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially by like, I think there was a child that pretty much drowned somewhere. I don't know the story, but I remember there was a child that drowned. That was pretty much the centerpiece of the propaganda mm. to pretty much push for aggression against uh, Syria. And th- there was all types of stories, strong narrative about individuals being killed. Uh, Samantha Powers this- was up there. Like we're just going to find yeah. the moderate rebels. Like it's fine. It's like, Jesus Christ, dude. 
and, and is the Western audience is not getting there. You're putting in a position where you're normalizing elements that are killing. Well, they don't cover they don't cover uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Um, if you want to put it that way, anything below the Sahel Desert um, doesn't really get covered as far as uh, even like alternative media goes. Not not everyone, but obviously. But as far as um, even the the ones that people normally uh, turn to, um, they don't they they are lacking in in their coverage. <laughs> exactly. I think, uh, I mean, we, we have like a, a lot plenty to say about the coverage, but, yeah, but yeah. I just, I just, I just want to like go back to 2018. So we yeah, talked about right. in the beginning, you know, uh, the private struggle is still ongoing. Right. And then yeah. uh, the TPLA versus uh, Abby, mm-hmm. it, it was not contained. It was not over. Despite the TPLF conceding or retreating to Mekela, it was still ongoing. Mm-hmm. And, and and also in addition to that, on the northern side, the, the peace deal was signed between Asmara and Nadisava, but the peace deal between Tigray or actually TPLF was never recognized. This mm. is something that people must understand. The TPLF never recognized the peace deal in its uh, full, uh, you know, uh, from the beginning. And the yeah. war between TPLF and Eritrea was never over in 2018. It was still ongoing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get a lot of people who are from oh, the outside are. Yeah, they were not understanding the TPLO was still arming militias on the border. When the border was open between Eritrea and Ethiopia, they were pretty much sending contraband and trying to stab yeah. Nafa. And there was do- they were doing a lot of uh, um, problematic things that pretty much uh, irk the state itself. Uh, but, you know, during that time, I was still pushing for an effort for the Eritrean state to engage the Tigray people. Uh, remember when Helen Meles, the Eritrean singer, was in Mahala? Do you remember that? I don't know if I remember that. Yeah, that was that was a, his, that was a really key uh, soft propaganda, soft uh, power no. of the Eritrean people because we need to see that we need to see that the uh, Tigrayan people are not the enemy. No. The, I, I think that was where and the TPLF is not the Tigrayan people. You know what I mean? Like that's that's exactly. also not fair. It's you know you have to say that that's a the, that government or the corrupt people, the elite that are uh, calling the shots over there. That is not a representation of the Tigray people. They did nothing wrong. Exactly. It's, it's, they're all human. We're all human beings. Like, that's I, yeah. It, 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 became, it, it became too intense to where, like, the hardliners within PFBJ were pushing this uh, anti TPLF thing that is, like, close to anti Tigray. Which is like, oh. you, you're losing focus here. PFBJ approach to Tigray was horrible. The propaganda wise. <laughs> yeah, it's like, do you not understand? You have to engage this Tigray people. Send in Eritrean singers. Send in politicians. Send in, like, Make it official that uh, uh, there was even a reveal with the recent interview that Isaias Aforki himself was on the border engaging with the TPLF leader. Why not make that public? Why not? Like, this is where the failure of the Eritrean effort on the behalf of the PFJ and Isaias Aforki not to engage Tigray from the beginning. When I say engage, I'm not talking about, like, forget the disagreement with TPLF, but more so on a effort to engage the uh, Tigray people to make them understand that you're not truly our enemy here. We are issue with the Duelty TPLF leaders. And that's something that was a failure from the beginning. And yeah. it was, this is the strategy of Isaias Fork and his approach with Tigray, which made the TPLF hardliners gain an edge. Yep. But yeah, sorry. No, no, he did. And he did that himself. And um, the people who uncritically just kind of uh, go by Isaias, like, that upsets me too, because you, that's, you're being dishonest. You're, be, you're being dishonest. I'm sorry, but you are. Um, it's not that, uh, the State Department should be, uh, organizing anything against him specifically. I understand, um, I respect the, as far as like sovereignty goes, I do, 
I do respect that. And I also, I, I know ex- that they have their own special interests as well. So, uh, but aside from that, it's to uncritically just kind of be a, a pundit for SAS is uh, also foolish. Um, okay. Sorry. Wrong word. I won't say <laughs> foolish, but I will say um, either dishonest or ignorant. I, I, I get it. And I'm seeing yeah. this thing, uh, uh, you know, as recently we just saw the breakfast, breakfast club interview with Simon and these, uh, uh, Nipsey Hustle father. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Simon you, you know, before, yeah. <laughs> let, let's talk about that. Exactly. Like yeah. what was your take and what was, um, your view about, you know, the efforts by the counter narrative and, uh, you know, that is pretty much yeah. being by the, the, uh, PFJ and the, uh, mostly Amharu, uh, elements. So continue. Yeah. Sorry. So, like, I thought, I thought it was good. Um, I think uh, it was Salam who brought up that point of, like, or uh, the she she kind of made, like, a low-key, oh, I, I voted in these Democrats thing, um, which I thought was, like, oh, we're, like you're going to make this about, you know, like, oh, Trump wasn't that bad, which is, like, uh, no, <laughs> that's, that's wrong. Uh, Trump was also very involved in Africa, but um, that's beside the point. Um, I, I, so that, like, kind of bothered me as well. Um, he, he brought up really good points as far as, like, um, what the TPLF is, what they've done in the past, uh, their corruption, whatever. Um, but then he, the, the ethnic tribalism that he kept calling it. Um, and I think you and I have discussed this before. Uh, I didn't really agree with that yet either. Um, because not because I think that people should be, you know, tribalist and like just with their own people and separate and whatever. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with that. It's more that, um, there, there are factions in Ethiopia that have real, um, uh, grievances. And it's not because they're being tribalistic or whatever. It's just they're human beings having um, human grievances, and those should be uh, taken into account. You can't just dismiss it as, oh, they're just, you know, trying. They're, they're, these people are just tribalists. Like they, you know, they're just uh, they're they're whining. <laughs> it's like, really? yeah, like have some have some compassion. Like don't don't do that. Then you don't understand what's actually going on. Like if you're just going to dismiss it as that, because that's been a problem even when TPLF was there. Exactly. Yeah, it's and it's it's that's a human thing. So it's just, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like overall, I think the interview. Um, yeah, but uh, he, he examined the whole. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, the efforts on the behalf of Simon and the uh, I forgot her name, the uh, yeah. or Ethiopian person. Um, was yeah. okay. It wasn't the best because I don't think they came in to trying to organize talking points. It was just very disorganized. Yeah. Second, I think everything that was stated about TPLO was true, right? For the most part, yeah. like everything yeah, that was I think stated. Just having like a casual conversation, which is fine. Like I don't have a problem with like personally. Maybe that's just me, but but I I do know what you mean. Whereas like have it maybe like a because Charlemagne and them probably don't know that much about that place. Maybe have like a concise summary for them, um, just to make it exactly. clear. Yeah. So and. That is, but, and, it, and right now, the the, the counter narrative that is being led uh, against the PLF are is majority PFJ, but also yeah. some um, the Ethiopian Amharu nationalists who yeah. are trying to lobby media and different things. Fox News. Is, yeah, yeah, Fox. They're just Sorry. not understanding. <laughs> they, yeah, I think you got. Yeah, you picked up on uh, the whole Amharu nationalism, uh, nationalism rising and their ability to lobby different media elements. Yeah. Uh, it's very contradicting. We're seeing this effort by yeah, and Fox is using it, right? They're just like, yeah, they're like, yeah. Next, we're going to vote out the Democrats. It's like, really? Like, you guys are like, this is a joke. This is a goddamn joke. You know? <laughs> let, let, let me let's go back to what you uh, your comment earlier to what she said on the Breakfast Club. The individual the Ethiopian individual yeah. and, 
efforts to pretty much re pretty much give this image or project this image about Trump being a better uh, yeah. as far as the Horn of Africa. That is something that is held by the Eritrean side, the PFJ, the the hardliners who pretty much hold Everyone. this romantic idea. Yeah. So yeah. let's start from there. Like, can we just correct? I want to hear your take and correction on that. What what is why do we Eritreans the Horn certain elements view Trump in a, a positive way? I want to hear that. Yeah. So I don't really, <laughs> it's kind of, it's weird uh, when they do that. It's like an illusion almost like that they have that like Trump was pretty hands off um, with, uh, with Africa. Like it may have appeared that way, but like, let us not forget that the foreign policy is, is not really dictate. I know he's the, the chief, uh, whatever. Um, but uh, the, he doesn't actually make the, 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 the rules or the, the policies as far as foreign policy goes. These are set by think tanks that are uh, a lot more powerful than the president of the United States or the figurehead. Um, I'm not saying he doesn't have any power, but you know, it's, uh, <laughs> he, he has a, he has a boss. Um, but anyway, uh, that aside, they kind of have this illusion that Trump was, um, he kind of like left Africa alone because, you know, he said they were shithole countries and, um, uh, not really I guess, worth uh, investing time or money or whatever attention to, which is uh, not true. Number one, he, how many times did he uh, drone strike Somalia? I think exactly. it was like, yeah, it's it was Thank like you. the most, it's like 200 and like 32 times in like four years. And then he deregulated or uh, he, um, what did he do? Yeah, he pretty much made it so that the rules of engagement for uh, drone strikes, like the rules were loosened. So, like, anybody who even seemed like they could be Al-Shabaab or whatever, you can engage. Like, anyone who's a youth from, you know, 15 to 25 or whatever. And they don't have to record the civilian deaths the way that they had to before. I guess Obama did, like, a little bit of that right before he left. So he retracted that so that it was easier mm-hmm. for them to engage um, in in uh, in their drone warfare. There was that. And then what did he, him and John Bolton, I think in 2018... They, uh, they made a, uh, they launched a, an initiative called Prosper Africa in coordination with like central banks and like big banks and, you know. To counter China. Yeah. To, to counter China. Exactly. So it was, uh, like Prosper Africa in order to counter China's influence. Um, so it's, it's so all this like acceleration that's happening now. Like he set those policies in place. Like he got the ball rolling. So they manifest now, of course, because, you know, Biden is in. Uh, it's not, and that's not to excuse Biden. It's just to say that all of this stuff happening, like it's not, it's, it, it's a, the trajectory. It's not because Trump did this and then Biden did this or whatever. It's like, it's, it, it was already in motion and, and Trump is not innocent <laughs> on that regard. It may seem like it because, uh, actually, I, I guess if you don't really pay attention to like the details, but uh, it, it, Trump was not disengaged <laughs> from, from Africa. He, he made a, cause they're like, oh, well, he wanted to end Syria. He wanted to end the wars and uh, get our troops out of Afghanistan, Iraq, whatever. I've never heard Trump mention AFRICOM. Never. Never heard it. Is there, I mean, I've, have you? Am I mistaken? Exactly. I think this is something that people need to hear. Yeah. Uh, we no definitely one talks about have AFRICOM. Like, no, I've never, yeah. I never hear it. It is completely left out of the conversation. And then the thing is, like, uh, for example, the whole, there are left, certain left Elements mm-hmm. who try to say in the beginning, Trump is going to withdraw the troops from uh, Afghanistan. Um, they had this very naive view of the fact that this guy is going to pretty much change uh, Washington foreign policy. And yeah, and it, and, it, and this, there is leftists who try to say we must work with the right. 
uh, rehabilitate the right wing or try to warm up to Nazis and right, extreme right. Like, no, you can't do this. You cannot work with Trump. Uh, I think the, <laughs> the, the problem with the Eritreans and the Horn of Africa and their view of Trump is, yes, I think the policy as far as like being hands off, that might be true, but mm-hmm. it became at a price. Uh, you got the travel ban of Eritrea, uh, and you got yeah. people who can't even travel. Year, like, or two years, I guess, in 2000, yeah, 2020. Yeah, and yeah. they're trying to like understand, they have this view that the Republican or the right elements, like, uh, for example, m- remember Agenda Frazier under the Bush administration? What did he do? Oh, she, it was uh, pretty much, uh, she, I think she's from Uganda. She was the one that was spearheading the efforts to uh, list Eritrea under sponsor of terrorism. Mm-hmm. That was 2006, 2007, 2008. That was the effort. <clears throat> But it fell. And people tend to forget this idea that the Bush years were very favorable to Eritrea. And this is something that was, this is a view held by PFJ. Yeah. Well, because, but, wrong. because ECS wanted, he wanted them to build a base in Eritrea. He, like, yeah. he, he essentially, I, I, in so many words, but like he was trying, he wanted to be, uh, he wanted to, he wanted to, to play, to play ball with the, with the exactly. very disgusting elements, the neocon elements. Of, you know what I mean? So it's like, like this guy, that's what makes me laugh because it's like, this, this guy is not. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I think, I think the biggest issue with, uh, how Eritrean's view is Sias is just this huge mythology by his, uh, background. I yeah. think the, I think what you're mentioning is the efforts to lobby, uh, the Bush administration, uh, 2001, 2002 efforts to, uh, get the yeah. base. And there was a lot of controversial, controversial views and efforts there. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm not trying to present Isaias like, oh, he, uh, you know, like forgive him. No, no, I think it was a mistake. Oh, and certainly. It, and I, and I, and if someone owns up to it, like that's it, that's okay. But it's yeah. But, don't, but you can't just leave that out of the when you tell the the, the whole story because exactly. it matters. Yeah. It's, it's and, not to say like if he, uh, if he not apologized, but if he like regretted it and you know it was if he it was a mistake, whatever. Yes, of course. Like, you know, you move on. But as far as like telling the whole story, it has to be mentioned and not to shame anyone or anything, mm-hmm. but because mm-hmm. it is relevant. Yeah. And it, it, I think that's, that speaks to the whole issue about third world states effort to survive. They had to make concessions. That's very mm-hmm. controversial that nobody is uncomfortable position. For yes. example, the whole Syria and Assad before 2011, he was making neoliberal concession. He was working with uh, elements of Washington with the whole uh, mm-hmm. war on terrorism. Uh, this is something that Eritrea had to do. It is it's not to defend the Eritrean uh, Sias position on this, but it's yeah, more of there were states are in a position of, hey, you know what? I had to concede to get this. But the approach and the efforts, it's it was pretty much a little naive on Sias' part. And not mm-hmm. understanding this is not, you cannot make concession and expect some type of, uh, you know, welcome at the table. And that's the problem with the size. He still wants to be welcome to the table, but he's different from Paul Kajami and Museveni in that he uh-huh. feel like he wants to call the shots as far as what can the U.S. military base can do. And I think that was a disagreement. I think they want a full right on what, what they can do. And that's what the difference is. He doesn't mind. Same that. with them. <laughs> yeah. They're not understanding. It's size. He's willing to work with them. Yeah, he's willing to work with them. But it's just that he he said, you know, on my terms, not on your terms. Mm-hmm. He doesn't mind Washington being in the region. That he is their best allies, to be honest. But it's, he's not that compliant enough compared to Paul Kajami. Like, objectively, yeah, like, objectively, 
he's terrible. Uh, um, I'm sorry. Objectively, like if you, if you, if you, I guess if you look at him, yes, like he's pretty terrible because if you're comparing him to like what should be, like how someone or something should be, then it's but like this is a very poor, poor uh, uh, attempt at being your best self, right? But if, I guess if you're comparing him to like um, the muck that he's around, then okay, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess he told the other muck that uh, he wanted to be uh, ruler of the muck, like he wanted to be in charge of all the muck. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, as far as just being balanced and principle, I think, yeah, like let's be honest, under uh, you know his watch, U.S. aid was uh, expelled. Mm-hmm. Um, There's no Africom. There's yeah. no Africom. But, uh, but, but, but the reason why is also important. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he would have gone yeah. along with it had it been if he yes. yeah, was able to do it on his terms. And let's exactly. be real about it. Like his his ter- uh, his terms would not have been, uh, I don't know if they would have been that different from um, the that, elements that, of the West. That's something that we have to be careful as Eritrean left is not to portray a size of fork as some type of anti-imperialism or yeah. something similar to Thomas Sankara because that's not honest. You, you cannot sleep at night. So <laughs> what, with us saying this is not to pretty much give uh, propaganda ammunition to reactionary oh, elements no. yeah. across the department to come in there and just dis- discredit the Eritrean state effort to survive. No, just this is a good faith analysis, like a good faith, uh, yeah. uh, I guess, perspective or. Yeah, I, yeah. I think, I think, uh, is, I, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're able to give this balance of criticism because in order to understand the latest development inside Tigray, you have to get a full uh, perspective of how Isaias thinks and why he does this. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that we, you know, uh, like I mentioned, the Breakfast Club interview with Simon, who is, you know, pro PFJ, pro Isaias, really hardline guy. And these guys, their efforts mm-hmm. and understanding of the Ethiopian state and its historical contradiction is wrong. They're saying, oh, uh, this issue is tribalism. You guys just need to get together. Disregarding and whitewashing the crime and historic uh, oppression, subjugation by the Abyssinians, the Amaharu and Tigray, of the southern population. Totally disregarding. This usage, <laughs> this issue of ethnic federalism, this is the issue of tribalism. PKPJ got this wrong. Isaiah's got this wrong. They're both wrong in their understanding and their approach to solving the issue in Ethiopia. And, and it all started from 2018. Isaias got this wrong from the beginning and his approach to, okay, let's, let's, let's just go, let's start from the beginning. He, so the peace deal was signed. He went to Addis Ababa and the, the huge red flag remark was when he said the uh, speech, uh, I think it was in Millennium, Millennium Park, uh, downtown Addis Ababa, where he said, this is, we are one people, uh, pretty much echoing this Abyssinian historical mythology that's very violent. That's, that pretty much, uh, uh does not recognize the Asian revolution, does not recognize independence it's just like it was a weird it's a weird turn because it's like you were you fought in the war dude yeah and yeah it's it's really it's like it's a it's it's not it's a it's a person it's a disorder to be i mean i don't know i'm not going to say it's a psychological disorder but i mean he i don't know there's something going on there it's not normal Okay, I think the, the counter narrative is like they're saying, okay, in order to, uh, this is pretty much political speech is not meant to, uh, negate our historical experience from the Eritrean side. He did this so that he can like get support from the Abyssinian base in Addis Ababa in addition That's to dishonest. the Damaro base. That's dishonest. It is dishonest. I think the approach should have been, yeah, <laughs> he, he could have just went to Addis Ababa and just said two people as Africans, we are one. That's like factual. Well, it's human it isn't just, you could just make yeah. that, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, you it, have it, to. It, it, it's just like the whole approach from Messiah is just, 
he's in this position of trying to save this thing called Ethiopia. We're not there to save Ethiopia. We must be, we come in there as air chance, mm-hmm. understanding that there's a historical contradiction. We are our neighbors and we must pretty much give the perspective of the oppressed, uh, oppressed nationalities. There's a lot of commonalities between the Eritrean revolution and oppressed nationalities. Mm-hmm. So giving our historical background, we need- We have a, more in common uh, with them actually than with the, the, the that, Ethiopian that was, state essentially. Yeah. So in yeah. order to, we, our position should be, we need to push for, for Ethiopia to be reimagined so that the Oromos can feel, be part of this thing called mm-hmm. Ethiopia. They don't feel it. They're not going to mm-hmm. feel it until we address the, how this thing was created, the genocide, the mm-hmm. European model that Hala Selassie Menelik, the French European model, the whole thing was European colonialism created. And, and that's something that, in order to neutralize TPLF, he let the he let the historical context and grievances and just pretty much dispose of it. And it's wrong. It's just, it is wrong. We, you have to recognize it, like the Abyssinian Empire, because I I hear you talk about it all the time. Where it's you you cannot just you can't glorify it. Like as it, I mean, there's elements of uh, I think in Jamaica where they you know they glorify Haile Selassie and you know like oh the king or whatever. It's 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 like African royalty or. Uh, what have you and it's like i don't care about that like exactly you think that that was for the people you think that was benefiting anyone it's like the myth of like black capitalism like we just need buying power for um in order to uh compete with our uh white counterparts it's like dude (laughs) that's the myth like i'm sorry but that (laughs) it is it is uh that's that's the very challenging about this is the fact that how do you actually bring about um uh presenting the historical oppressed nationalities in their narrative without giving tplf uh you know propaganda ammunition because the tplf tend to exploit the oppressed nationalities try to make it seem like tigray is an oppressed nationality that is not true historically tigray and amharu region have the rulers have pretty much benefited from this thing called ethiopia yeah. Tigrawi people, Tigrayans were pretty much given posts under Halasalase and Melek. Mm-hmm. When were, there was conquest and subjugation of the Oromos, then mm-hmm. certain Tigray people were in uh, the, the pretty much a settler colonial state where mm-hmm. elements from the north went down south, took over farmland. That's what was happening. Yeah. So the TPLF is not part of the oppressed nationalities. Obviously, they, there is an ongoing struggle between the Amharu and Tigray. That is something that's been going on way before the creation of Eritrea and Ethiopia. Yeah. These these two entities, ruling class, have always clashed, and the current thing, the current struggle, has to be understood as an ongoing historical struggle for years, for decades before the nation states Eritrea and Ethiopia were created. The Amharu rulers and Tigray rulers have fought together and even uh, collided together to pretty much invade Eritrea and yeah. suppress other nationalities. So that's something that uh, leftists have to understand. This is. A long power struggle that has been going on for years, decades, a century, and, it, and it's been used in order to uh, <laughs> to fulfill other special interests, um, you know, for their own nefarious reasons. Um, yeah. Like it's 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 just it's just been kind of it's been co opted and used and manipulated essentially. Um, yeah. Yeah, but the the peace deal, I think, um, you know, initially when I um, uh, you know understood that he has a Nobel Peace Prize, I didn't really care for the Nobel Peace Prize. But me, yeah. I feel like the need to recognize the peace deal because yeah. it, 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 it felt good. Deal. It felt good to see that Eritreans can travel to Addis Ababa or Ethiopians who feel like they have still family in Asmara. I know. I mean, that, this, that, that, was, that was huge. There was a I mean, there, remember there was a time where they were like 
I remember in like when, because uh, we we I lived there till uh, late nineties um, mm-hmm. when, when I was a kid, and there was a time when uh, people who were live Eritreans who were living in Ethiopia got kicked out in droves. Mm-hmm. It came yeah. back, and they had lives there. You know, they had they had either shops or they were in school or they were they you know they had uh, loved ones. You know, they had families, and it's like no, they they got kicked out because of yeah. I think uh, I think that's a good point because like the TPLF expelled. This is very real. Like you know what I mean? It's like I don't know. It's because sometimes you hear people just like say things, and it's like, hold on a second. Actually, <laughs> um, you're just now. I know you're just reading something off of uh, whatever someone just wrote. Um, exactly. You haven't really thought about what you're saying because uh, let me tell you. <laughs> That's something that leftists have to understand is this idea that, yeah, the peace deal was very important, historic, and the fact that for once, there's not going to be intention. Yeah. The, there's not going to be armies on the border. Uh, there's going to be trades. This is something that was welcome new because the Air Defense Forces need a rest. Uh, their families, uh, the Ethiopian <laughs> Defense Forces on the border. There's no need for these two states to fight each other. The bigger issue is imperialism and exploitation, neocolonialism, not these state fighting each other. And I, as intentional. The cycle of chaos and uh, efforts to make sure Eritrea and Ethiopia are uh, in tension, cycle of conflict and war is yep. Washington foreign policy. Yep. Washington foreign policy cannot survive in this region if there is no tension, there's no internal chaos. This is something that's ongoing. This, I believe this is something you recognize, uh, you know, in your researches. Well, it's definitely something. Yeah, it's it is definitely it's like a narrative war, um, kind of uh, psychological warfare, like you were saying. Um, yeah, that's that's the that's the that's that's how they have a grasp on people um, is through that because you know we can all just choose to stop. <laughs> you just, exactly. just choose, you can just choose to stop. You can you don't have to play on one team or another. You don't have yeah, to play on any team. Like you can just be objective, and uh, if you have good intentions and uh, you want good, uh, you have uh, ideas or um, I don't know. Just if you have good intentions and you. Um, are genuinely looking to find the best possible thing to do in order to quell something or to fix something, then I feel like you don't have a problem with most people when you're talking about those things that you're trying to figure out because you don't have this like thing in your head where it's like, no, this is how, this is how it is. This is how I think it is. Um, so I'm going to just stick with this no matter what other evidence is presented to me because I've already made up my mind. And then you just end up doing mental gymnastics and, um, yeah. And. Then you become a pundit. Yeah, um. <laughs> and, and and that's something that uh, the leftist or audience they they looking into Tigray development, they're not understanding the you know the background of what happened, what Eritrea had to face when TPLF was in power for twenty eight years, what the Ottomans had to face internally, what the Somalis had to face. Yeah, and and all of that is whitewash for some reason. Like TPLF is just their image right now on social media. It's totally disregarded. The history and its violence in the region is totally disregarded. And that's why a lot of people are falling for the emotions online and the strong, strong narrative. But yeah, moving, moving forward, I think, uh, you know, this discussion about uh, Tigray is going to be more in depth. Uh, but I just want to hear your perspective on the, you know, you really are a great observer of progressive and left uh, media and their analysis and commentary. How do you feel about how there are some people who are doing a well, good job, uh, you know, Combo Couch, uh, oh, yeah. Report. Yeah. They're, they're doing a good job, but uh, do you feel these first world leftists are pretty much disengaged from Africa for a reason? Why do you believe that? And what's, how do you feel about that? I think, well, first of all, I think that they just don't really know much about it because there isn't really, um, it's just, I think they, 
it's so, maybe it's just really far away. There's also another thing. Maybe it's more, um, cause I do notice that a lot of Europeans used to be, are more, uh, versed on, uh, African issues than, um, Americans. Maybe they concentrate, they kind of look into South America more, but then at the same time, you know, um, I also, uh, I, I do notice that the ones that do cover foreign policy do tend to cover foreign policy everywhere. Um, the ones, the ones that are, uh, re- revered as, uh, doing the best, uh, foreign policy analysis. I, I do notice that they will cover South America, um, certain aspects of it. They will cover Eastern Europe or Southeast Asia, um, or Northern Africa, but not even too much. Um, like anything, maybe they'll cover it for after the Arab Spring, <laughs> but not before. You know what I mean? It's like afterwards. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like we always thought this. It's like, uh, okay. But, but they kind of steer totally clear of Sub-Saharan Africa. And it's like, uh, it's like, it's almost a, uh, it's like a loud silence, if that makes any sense. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I think, uh, if you just rewind, if you rewind back to Libya and Syria, like, um, a lot of leftists were pretty much frozen or they took like a pro state department, pro inter- intervention line. But in this case, it's something to do with this fact of how Africa is portrayed as there. If, if you're like a white progressive leftist reading the headlines, you're going to just assume this is just the usual African storyline of tribal, tribalism, yeah, fighting like this. Like, I don't, you know, yeah, it's a racist thing. And isn't there it is. like, pretty fucked up? <laughs> This, they're not understanding the Horn of Africa. It's where imperialism is really direct. If you do the research, the bigger issue is imperialism. Imperialism is behind all this chaos in the region. Everything is on fire because of imperialism, Washington world policy, and that's what's happening. And, and I, I, you know, I really appreciate your, the fact that you were seeing this observation of the lack of coverage. Like they're able to touch the Israel, Israel and Palestine, which is very, you know, it's, it's like you can take on a position, a strong position, but they're very afraid to take on a position in regards to what's happening in Tigray, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, they won't, uh, there's no position. Like, I was really surprised when, so when I noticed, I think this is early March or mid-March when I uh, read that they were sending um, uh, the Green Berets to Mozambique. Um, and that like, like really caught my eye because I'm like, hold on a second. Like the only time the Green Berets really get dispatched is for special ops. Um, like it's like not, not that only time, but it's m- most of the time. It's like either the Green Berets or like the, the Navy SEALs, uh, the team, uh, SEALs, team six, I guess the people that like took care of, uh, supposedly took care of Osama bin Laden. So it's like a, it's normally like a, <laughs> a special op type of thing. Um, and normally with these types of ops, you don't really know about it until you, you know, somebody writes an article two years later because they got a freedom of information uh, thing um, and they were able to get uh, things disclosed to them. So it's so I just I feel like when you when you even hear that, it would just it would spark my curiosity, even if I wasn't covering um, any anything in Africa, essentially, uh, or overall, I would it would still spark my curiosity because I'd be like, hold on, like, why would they be sending them there? And then it would lead you to, you know, everywhere else. But um, and I'm not, I'm not like bashing anyone for it, um, for not being curious about it, but I just, if I, I wish that people understood maybe what AFRICOM is, um, and, uh, what, uh, what it entails and, um, how, <laughs> how much, um, yeah, how much, uh, I don't yeah. know, damage <laughs> that it's doing <laughs> as far as, um, the people who are operating it, um, yeah. in a special interest, uh, funding it, um, yeah, it's- but but yeah, I mean the whole um, I think while like 
you know, well being balanced. I think we recognize that, um, you know, people like, uh, Danny at, uh, Black Agenda Report, uh, yeah, Couch. For sure. Uh, there, there's other black, uh, you know, uh, left media that are trying to pretty much be engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, while at the same time, we have to be critically honest about the lack of, uh, coverage in Tigray from the left perspective. If you understand Libya, then why are you not applying the same non-intervention uh why are you on the same side as samantha powers in your position it should be weird why are you you saying anything at all about it exactly why are you scared why are you scared exactly take a position take a principle position of non-intervention make sure you're not on the side of the pro state department line amnesty Mm -hmm. international human rights watch do not be on the same line the a lot of like there is some you know a few personalities who for some reason totally disregard their approach to you know world affair when it comes to Tigray like your emotions is being disarmed here critically think mm-hmm. approach this research and that's that's uh that's something that we you know um they have to understand and yeah I agree and it just it is kind of interesting though because um it's 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 almost like there are certain places there are certain places that are okay to uh to talk about but then there are certain places that are maybe uh, like too risque or it, it just seems, it just seems kind of weird because it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's just, it's like a, it's just too apparent. It's, 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 a, it's glaring at this point where it's like, okay, so now you're just like purposely, you know, like avoiding this topic because you can talk about, you know, and it's, I'm not saying that these places aren't important, but you can talk about Syria or you can talk about what's happening, Belarus or Ukraine or um, any other place, just any other place, you know, like the Palestinians or whether Libya or Iraq, you know, or Venezuela, or uh, Peru, or you could you could talk about Ecuador, um, or Nicaragua, like you, 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 or Mexico. You can talk like it's it's the same shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, like to be honest, with the respect but, to yeah, yeah go ahead, sorry. But be, it's just it's because at this moment is like when it's being kind of ramped up, so it's like kind of important <laughs> for people to understand because this is when I guess the narratives at play, and I'm not saying that. You know, oh, well, you know, if we can just get to these people, then things will change. But it's like, you have to do something, right? Um, and it's good to be principled from the beginning. And it's also, it's just kind of weird. Like, why are you avoiding this huge area right here? Um, and you just hear people, yeah, like, that's in Africa. It's like, oh, well, where? <laughs> exactly. And like, the bigger issue is, yeah. the bigger issue is just for like, the popular, fashionable news headline in oh, sure. Palestine, yeah, yeah. The pink, the pink tide in South America. That's safe. You can talk about it. You can talk about China. Yeah. It's safe. But it's when it safe. comes to Africa or even Haiti, it's just like uh, mm-hmm. there's a reason why. Why are there certain elements of progressive media popularizing ha- Haiti? They're not touching Haiti for mm-hmm. a reason. Uh, they're not touching certain things. Um, for example, Burundi. A few years ago, Burundi, there was efforts to intervene. There was serious mm-hmm. efforts to pretty much destabilize the country. Even though the current leader or the previous leader was uh, reactionary and right wing, mm-hmm. but there was serious effort, and there was only a few people making noise about it. Yeah. But a lot of people are discomfort. They have a lot of discomfort about African issues. It's due to racism. It's due to neo-colonial lenses. And a lot of progressives have to unlearn that. Be, why are you not paying attention? Like, if yeah. you apply the, if you understand, yeah, like intervention in Syria, intervention in uh, Libya, then you understand what's happening. You, you like, must make the connection. I feel yeah. like it's even more sinister of a reason than like it being like about a race thing or, I mean, it, of course, there are certain elements of, of all of that, but it's, I think it's even like a. I, I think it's a. It's an even more um, scary reason, <laughs> to be honest. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's. A, I think I, I'm not saying that all all these people are intentional, but as far as like the really big uh, places that do cover, I mean, Nick Turse has been covering you know Africa for a long time, but of course from the Intercept and from their own angle. Um, yep. So you know, there's. I mean, and recently what he's been talking about the, his last article on uh, in Ethiopia, saying how a Voice of America is. Uh, is doing propaganda for the Ethiopian government. Like, give me a fucking break. Yeah, Nick Turris, uh, <laughs> I, you know, yeah, sometimes... It's he does intercept, report. so, yeah. Yeah, like, I follow his stuff, but the problem is, he, you know, he... Um, He's a he kinda, yeah. yeah, he watch, he watches Africom, and... Yeah, yeah he like, he, he, he does, and uh, people t- trying to take his word seriously, but... Hey, that's Nick Turris. I, I just use him for information. Like he's good at yeah. uh, information. Like just yeah. straight up. He, when he does, try to filter it. Yeah. yeah, you have to like use this information, but critically examine. Like, hey, this guy is like taking like State Department line. He's, he's trying yeah. to protect Africom. Yeah, he is. Uh, that's what uh, that's what was Omar was doing. Omar, the uh, the, the senator, uh, Somali. Uh, senator. Il- Ilhan. Yeah, Ilhan. Yeah. Uh, she tried to make it seem, like, the, Somalia really. <laughs> Really, she, she's trying to make project this idea that she was trying to hold Africam accountable, which is like uh, that's not really happening. It's just like PR. Yeah, it's just I mean, they're, 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 Yeah, they're. I'm sorry, but to me, like they're very phony. So I don't really take the the, uh, the yeah. squad. It, I mean, it's yeah. AOC. The squad is just control no. opposition. Yeah, gonna, exactly. They want the I mean, crew here, and it's okay. But a lot of people <laughs> need to go away from this uh, AOC and Omar and. No, I don't even I talk about it because like it's just so. I mean, and that thing is not. It's not relevant, but it's just so like. Uh, it's 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 so obviously um, controlled opposition, like kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Um. It's not really worth the. Not that it's not worth the time, but like I just don't really know what you what more you could get out of criticizing AOC. Like you know we know like and just yeah. like let's move on. There's, yeah, she, there's a lot of she, other <laughs> other things you can cover. I'm not saying that you can't cover her in the principled way, and if you want to dispel certain things. Do whatever you want. It's just more. Um, it's it's just me for me personally. I'm like I'm so disengaged from that. Like I, that's not what I, I spend my days. Uh, I I don't blame <laughs> you, and and this is something that uh, not, that, any, not really... that there's anything wrong with anyone who you know spends their days doing that if they're doing uh, yeah. it in a principled fashion, you know, for good reasons. I, so yeah, I don't really get the whole like at this point you're wasting your time trying to disengage yeah. or give analysis of what AOSC said or like, that. At the end of the day, she doesn't serve she doesn't serve the interests of the uh, the masses or the oppression of their world. At the end of the day, her interest in line goes with the ruling class. Yeah. But that's her story. Um yeah. so as we wrap up, uh I just want to pretty much uh thank you for coming on this episode. And also I just want to hear your Last comment on how leftist progressives should engage in this uh, development in Tigray as far as analyzing the media. What do you? What advice do you give anybody that's interested in knowing the, what's uh, the latest development in Tigray? Oh, as far as Tigray, um, probably just uh, <laughs> as far as the mainstream headlines go. Uh, I'm not saying like everything's a lie or you know there's nothing going on that we don't. There's things I'm sure that we don't know, uh, but I think that it should be definitely. Uh, looked at with um a more objective lens that doesn't uh that doesn't that doesn't uh, completely discredit any um grievances that different factions of ethiopia including the tigray people the average people have um but it shouldn't uh, but at the same so okay so basically it's just it's so hard because it's there's so much <laughs> yeah exactly. it's, it's like it's i know it's so complicated i because uh, it's such a big to me, like that's such a big thing because because no one's really uh, covering it as far as uh, 
um, I, for, as far as the pro- progressive or alternative media, um, whichever side, it's not really covered. So it's like, there's really, it's not even anything to dispel. It's more just the only, the only people that have really been covering it are either, um, the, the hardliners, like you said, like the PFDJ hardliners and, um, the, the Abbey faction, um, and then the, the, the TPLS side as well. And then the state department as far as the ones with the loudest voices. So, um, it's okay to obviously engage or listen to anybody you want, but, um, just come to your own conclusions. And, um, I think that when looking at that situation, it's good to remember, um, uh, even just very recently, you know, what happened in Syria, it's good to remember what happened in Libya, Iraq, um, you know, Honduras, remember in 2009, uh, <laughs> what's been going on with Venezuela, just, it's, it's good to remember these things, um, because these things don't just exist, um, everywhere else except for um, sub-Saharan Africa where it's like, Oh no, like, you know, that that just always happens there. Don't, um, don't, don't just don't fall into the trap of um, don't normalize it because it's not normal and it's not okay. Um, and maybe um, I, I, cause I can't, I can't tell people to what they should and shouldn't be interested in. Right. But at the same time, it's like, uh, it's like, why aren't you interested in this part of the world as well? Um, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, is that is that a weird question? I don't know. Uh, that's a good question, and you know, uh, you know, as we wrap up the episode, I think that's this key things that people need to focus on. Why are you not consistent with your views on Libya, Syria, and apply it to sub uh, the the African region, uh, especially the of Africa? If you understand the principle of non-intervention, if you understand the problem, USA, the problem, Samantha Powers, the problem, the State Department, the their interest. It should be, it should be really strange. Why are you exactly the, the same position as the State Department in regards to intervene, intervening in Ethiopia? Uh, and also just why are you hyperly focused on Tigray when the other regions inside Ethiopia have been uh, oppressed by the current administration, also by the TPLF for 28 years, disregarding what happened in Oromiado, disregarding what happened in Somali region. So that's, you know, as we leave this episode, that's yeah. important for leftists, progressives. It's, it's hard to, yeah. It's like, yeah, just, no, you made, you made really good points. I agree with you 100%. You, that was well put. Yeah. So, you know, Sebs, are, you know, I really appreciate it. I feel like this is just, uh, touching one aspect and I feel like <laughs> we need to have further conversation because, you Definitely. know, I think we're, just, we're touching like a small bit of what is happening and it was to require further continuation analysis on this issue. Uh, but I appreciate it, Sebs. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Your commentary was great. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who's been listening. All right. <laughs>